sounds a little bit cooler, doesn't it? Family chat, crucial conversations is what we're talking about today. Um, as I said a couple of weeks ago, we're taking a little bit of a break from our Acts series. Peter's going to jump back in next week and give us another installment in our Acts series. Uh, and then in, in, in the week after that, the 21st, I'm going to jump back into this two-part series and give us the second part of this. So uh, the reason for kind of breaking away a little bit from our current series is just that there are a couple of things that I felt like the Lord has put on my heart to talk to us about as a church family. Two weeks ago, I talked a little bit about what happened over in Asbury and what God seems to be doing at the moment and how we uh, can respond to that as a church um, really off the back of that, we launched our week of prayer and fasting, which is coming up at the end of this month, Monday the 22nd through to Sunday the 28th of May. Um, you'll hear more about that next week. Um, today's talk is, is unrelated to what I talked about um, a couple of weeks, a weeks ago. Um, and in fact, this, as I said, this is the first part of a two-part mini-series called Family Chat. And uh, the first part that I want to cover today, as you can see, is all about crucial conversations. I'm going to follow it up in uh, two weeks' time with part two, which is all about forgiveness. Um, and uh, again, all about how we work out relationships with one another in God's family. Uh, just to give you a little bit of an intro into why we're talking about this this morning. Um, you guys know one of the primary ways we grow and become more like Jesus is through our relationships with one another. We're not made to live in isolation, but to have real life-giving relationships with one another that point each other towards Jesus. Uh, Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And at times that's really nice when someone draws alongside us and encourages us, right? Uh, but maybe we're a little bit less comfortable when someone comes alongside us and challenges us on one of our blind spots. Who enjoys that? <laughs> yeah, nobody. And nobody was going to admit it anyway. Uh, we don't mind sharpening when it's encouraging, but we're not too fussed maybe whenever it challenges us and whenever it just feels a little bit harder to receive. And you know what? It, it doesn't really matter whether you're the person who is receiving a challenge or, or you're the person who is maybe uh, giving a challenge. Typically, it's something that we're just maybe not that good at. Uh, we, uh, we, we can learn and we can grow in this space and we can get better at this. And right from the outset today, uh, I want to say that my heart for us as a church is that we will be a family who are able to strengthen one another with encouragement, to uh, serve one another, to equip one another as we pour out into each other's lives, and also that we exercise our gifts for the good of the whole body as well. My desire for us is that we don't just do the easy stuff, but we embrace those moments that are uh, sometimes awkward and sometimes painful, and we learn to speak into each other's lives with truth, but also with incredible grace and kindness as well. And in this uh, family of ragamuffins called the church, uh, there can be moments of relational conflict. To be honest, this is inevitable. You'll get this in any church family, in any organization, or in any family unit. Conflict is just part of life. It's inevitable. Uh, we're human and we're broken, so we can uh, misunderstand each other at times, and we can mistreat each other at times as well. So, really sorry if I've just burst your bubble, and you thought that we were a perfect church, or that this kind of stuff never happens in church, um, but that's just not true. 
Uh, we're not perfect, and uh, unfortunately at times we bump into each other. And there is conflict at times. Um, but that's okay. Um, um, if you stick around here for long enough, you're going to have times when you bump into someone else's stuff, and perhaps others might bump into your stuff as well. Relational conflict is inevitable. But what I want to say to you this morning is that it doesn't actually have to be a bad thing. So there's good news here, right? It doesn't have to be a bad thing. We can do it well in a way that sharpens one another. And pain is inevitable. comes to us all at times. But actually, growth is optional. And we want to be a people that actually grow and become more like Jesus. So the pain bit's inevitable. It's going to happen to us, but it's up to us whether actually we want to grow as a community, whether we want to grow as individuals, whether we want to grow and become more like Jesus. And so actually, uh, these moments of awkwardness, of conflict, um, of, of maybe just painful moments where we bump into each other, they can actually be gifts to us, right? M- maybe you're sitting there and you're like, no, no, you're wrong, Ben. Actually, stick with me for a moment. They can be gifts to us, right? They can be gifts that can allow us to grow up a little bit. But often we can miss these gifts because they come wrapped up in tough situations, okay? And so we can miss the gift that God wants to give us. So really what I want to do this morning is to explore how we can deal with these situations so that they can actually be catalytic moments for health and growth both in our lives and in the lives of our church family. Uh, I've mentioned the term crucial conversations, which comes from this book, also called Crucial Conversations. Um, I've read a, a good bit of it. I haven't read all of it, but I've read a lot of it, and I've drawn from it in a couple of different places as I've pulled this talk uh, together this morning. It's not actually a Christian book. It's written more for business leaders. So although it's helpful in some places, it's not really going to give you a biblical perspective, but I'm going to give you a biblical perspective, so uh, don't worry. Uh, but by all means, if you think it's helpful, go away and read that book and glean from it what you can. Uh, I certainly find it helpful. I've also, in preparing for this morning, I've listened to a couple of talks from Andrew McNeil, who is our Associate National Director for all of the Vineyard Churches in the UK and Ireland, and he's given a couple of talks at different stages to vineyard pastors and church planters that I found really helpful, and so um, I went back and listened to some of his stuff again before I kind of prepared to speak to you guys this morning. So, uh, let's talk about crucial conversations. Firstly, Uh, What are they? Well, uh, as you can see from the diagram there, um, a crucial conversation is defined as a discussion between two or more people in which they hold opposing opinions about a high-stakes issue and where emotions run strong. These could be conversations between you and a co-worker or between you and your boss. It could be a conversation between a husband and wife. It could be a conversation with a parent or a parent-in-law. About 11 or 12 years ago when Joshua was just a baby, uh, we had to have a crucial conversation about boundaries with one of our parents, and that was difficult. It took a lot of courage, and it required a lot of grace as well, but what it did is it actually brought clarity, and it deepened understanding between those involved. And actually, the long-term effect of that conversation is that it deepened trust in that relationship. So these conversations, when they're done well, they can actually be real moments 
of health and growth. It can be catalytic moments for health and growth for us. And perhaps you're sitting there today and you're thinking, gosh, I need to have that conversation with one of my parents or parents-in-law. And so hopefully, uh, as I kind of talk to you this morning, I'll put some tools into your hands so that you can be somebody who pushes for health and wholeness in your relationships. Let me give you a, a quote from the book, Crucial Conversations. It's perhaps the longest quote I've ever used, um, but it is good. There's some real nuggets in it. Okay. Uh, the determining factor between success and failure is the amount of time that passes between when the problem emerges and when those involved find a way to honestly and respectfully resolve it. What we're suggesting is that the greatest damage to your relationship with your in-laws is not due to their occasional interference, it's the toxic emotions and dysfunctional behavior that occurs in the absence of a forthright conversation. That's what causes the greatest damage. Biased behavior in your workplace is a problem, but its impact is multiplied when people fail to confront, discuss, and resolve the behavior. It's one thing to have a boss who fails to keep her commitments. It's another to have the problem fester into gossip, mistrust, and covert resentment as it echoes through hallways rather than being frankly addressed. The real damage happens during the lag time between people seeing her weaknesses and people addressing her weaknesses. Think about relationships with a lag time between you, between when you feel a problem and when you discuss it as short. Odds are that you would describe these relationships as characterized by trust, productivity, and intimacy. Now think about the reverse. Think about teams where it can take weeks, months, or years to honestly address the elephants in the room. What happens in the absence of candid dialogue? Contention, resentment, gamesmanship, poor decisions, spotty execution, and missed opportunities. At the heart of almost all chronic problems in relationships, teams, organizations, and even nations are crucial conversations. People either hold or don't hold. Decades of research have led us to conclude that you can measure the health of relationships, teams, and organizations by measuring the lag time between when problems are identified and when they're resolved. Some real wisdom in there. And if we look at Ephesians 4, Paul had this to say to the church in Ephesus. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. And maybe you can resonate with the time lag issue, and you can recognize situations where perhaps you've given the devil a foothold because you've been too scared to address an issue or a concern. Perhaps it's been someone in our church family, perhaps uh, a family member, whoever that person is, maybe you can resonate with what I'm saying because you've actually shied away and avoided a tough conversation. And so have I at times, right? I would describe myself as reasonable at crucial conversations, pretty decent. Um, I've had plenty of practice as I've led people and managed people in the workplace as well, but I would say that I'm still growing at this. I've still got my L plates up here uh, because I've got lots to learn and I've got plenty of growth. And so as I've kind of reread through some of this material and listened to it again, uh, I can recognize times that I've avoided tough conversations. And perhaps 
you can too. So if you think uh, that I'm uh, just preaching at you today, I'm not. I'm preaching at myself as well. We're all trying to follow Jesus together. Um, we're trying to be a family on the move, learning and growing together. Okay, so why one of the biggest challenges, one of the biggest problems we can face is just by leaving lag time, by not addressing problems, by either waiting too long and then it all spills out in a toxic way or just not addressing it at all. So why do we avoid these tough conversations? Well, there are lots of reasons. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple of reasons uh, this morning. Um, It's not an exhaustive list. Um, But firstly, we can be fearful of the other person's responses. Uh, We like to be liked and we're a little bit afraid at times of being rejected by giving an opinion that somebody else just might not like, right? So we hold back and we don't even say it at all. Fear can hold us back. Uh, Secondly, uh, any type of conflict or disagreement is stressful and uncomfortable. Uh, Maybe we've had bad experiences and we still bear bruises. It's, It's easier then to ignore the issue and pretend it's not happening than to actually have the emotional maturity to sit down and talk about it. And sometimes our mind plays tricks on us. Uh, We've had painful situations in the past where these kind of conflicts have not gone well, and what happens is our kind of brain tells our body, uh, uh, the adrenaline starts to kick in, the fight or flight instinct kicks in, and uh, we can either just run away or we can run towards conflict and do a particularly bad job at it. So um, our mind can play tricks on us at times and remind us of times whenever it hasn't gone particularly well. Sometimes as Christians as well, we can practice avoidance and we can call it prayer, okay? Um, and that's, uh, that's good to pray. It's really important as part of our preparation uh, for these conversations as we get our own heart right first, but we need to be careful that we just don't stop there, right? That we just don't pray about it and not do anything about it because actually that's not that healthy. So, You still with me? Good. We've decided that we're no longer going to be people that avoid difficult conversations. We're going to press in for health and wholeness. So how do we have conversations that lead to healthy outcomes and act as catalysts for growth? It's a good question. We're not going to avoid dealing with these difficult issues. We're going to face them and we're going to try our best to handle them well. So how do we do that? And like most things, everything in life, actually, the answer is in the Bible. Uh, So uh, it's going to come up here. It's also in your Bibles, if you want to look it up in Ephesians 4. Uh, Paul gives us the answer. He's talking to the church in Ephesus about growing in unity and maturity as a body of believers. And he's left us this key in verse 15. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. So that's kind of like the master key to handling these conversations well, to speak the truth in love. And so just to explain and unpack this a little bit, um, we've put this into a grid with truth and honesty on the vertical axis. As you can see, it's a little bit hard to see there, but hopefully you can get that. And love and concern on the horizontal axis and really kind of moving on both axes from low to high. Uh, up the ways and across the ways. And uh, sometimes we can find ourselves in the bottom left-hand corner, if you see the kind of dot in the left-hand corner. Um, uh, that's when we're just not really facing it. We're avoiding it, right? 
And, and when we're there, you can see that there's a low level of love and also just a low level of truth or honesty. Uh, to not face it, to avoid it, is uh, to be indifferent. And that's actually not very loving, right? It's not the right thing to do. So let's not do that. Uh, and when we're avoiding it, the chances are we're actually doing some other stuff which is just unhealthy and unhelpful. Perhaps we're giving the other person the shoulder and behaving in a, a passively aggressive way towards them. Maybe some, t some of you are kind of recognizing where you're doing that, maybe within uh, a relationship or in your marriage. Uh, it's often like our toxic behavior just leaks out when we're avoiding it. Perhaps we're giving off to someone else about the person who has annoyed us uh, and we're kind of triangulating, if you like. Uh, perhaps we've just kind of broken off relationship and we've walked away from that friendship altogether. Often that place of avoidance is where some really toxic and unhealthy behavior happens. And I guess we've all been there, right? Uh, so I'm not here to shame anyone today, but I think that we can actually do better than this. We can, we can grow to do this in a healthy way. Okay, uh, back to our grid. Um, maybe you're high in terms of your level of honesty but you're low on love and uh, you can actually identify with that dot up on the top left-hand side there. And uh, I can speak from experience here. Um, I've been there and uh, I've done that, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I remember about 10, I'm just going to give you one example. It's not the only example, but uh, I remember about 10 years ago, uh, Rebecca and I were leading a small group. We were part of Belfast City Vineyard at the time. Uh, we had a worship leader who was part of the group. It wasn't you, by the way, Mikey. <laughs> you would know if it was. <laughs> we had a worship leader who was part of the group, and it, it just felt like a, a power struggle every single week. Uh, like uh, It was probably one of the most difficult groups that I can ever remember leading, and it just wasn't working, and uh, there were loads of issues that needed to be talked through. And so uh, he came over to our house one night, and um, before he came, uh, Rebecca said to me, um, ben, uh, do you think we should pray and talk about this before he comes over? And I think we prayed a little bit, but I was kind of like, yeah, we don't need to talk about it. Don't worry, Rebecca, I've got this. I know how we're going to handle this conversation. Just leave it to me, right? And she's like, mm, okay. <laughs> and so uh, he came in. I'm going to call him Jim, by the way. Uh, Jim, Jim came in, and I proceeded to hit him multiple times with the truth hammer, okay? Uh, it was brutal. He was defensive, I was defensive, and it was just a disaster. It's a lesson in not how to do these conversations. And thankfully, um, my self-awareness has improved a good, a good bit since then, over the last 10 years or so. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't maybe good in that particular area back then. Um, so I, I actually came away from that conversation thinking, that went all right. I got to say everything I wanted to say. <laughs> and so uh, Jim left, and uh, I said to Rebecca, well, how do you think that went? And to my surprise, she told me that actually it was a complete disaster. And uh, spoke truthfully, but spoke with love and grace, and, say, and told me everything that I had done wrong. And was like, you need to get better at those, Ben, okay? <laughs> so I listened to her. I listened to her, and uh, it was actually a really helpful conversation with Rebecca. Um, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't good what happened, but I got so much learning out of that conversation. And I got to chat it over as well with a leader the next day who was able to coach me a little bit on how to handle those conversations better the next time. Um, 
So the problem with my approach there um, was that it was all truth and not much love. I wasn't wrong in what I was saying. I was calling him out on some of his stuff, uh, but I just didn't do it in a way that had his best interests at heart. I didn't do it in a way that really treated him with kindness and with grace. And, uh, and like I, we tend to kind of carry the way we've done conflicts in our families of origin into kind of how we continue to do conflicts. So um, that was kind of how I ruled, how we ruled a little bit in, in my family. You just kind of set it as it is, say it as it is. And so um, I had to actually realize that, yeah, that's not that healthy. And I had to grow up a little bit in that. The majority of you won't do what I did um, because your personality is maybe a little bit different than mine. Uh, there are some of you, though, who will be inclined to track up to the top left. So um, I've made enough mistakes here so that you can listen to me, and hopefully you don't have to make the same mistakes as I have. I can save you some pain, and I can also save some other people from getting hit with the truth hammer there as well. So um, what I try to do now before I have a crucial conversation is to deal with my own heart first, right? Uh, what actually happened in that conversation that I described to you is I was hurt. <laughs> and I carried a lot of that hurt into that conversation. And then it leaked out, okay? But what I try to do now is actually deal with my own heart first. Don't always get this right, but I do my best not to have a crucial conversation with anyone else until I've prayed and I've had a conversation with Jesus. And um, particularly if you're going into a conversation and you're carrying hurt from that other person, then you really need to deal with your own stuff first, right? You need, that, you need to take that stuff to Jesus and you need to let him heal you. And so for me, I try to do that as much as possible. I bring my hurt and pain to Jesus and ask him to heal my heart. And then what I do is I ask him to give me his heart for the other person. And sometimes that takes a little bit of time to process that and a couple of conversations with Jesus, but that's very, very different than avoidance. Okay, that's intentional preparation as you tend to your own heart. If you still have a head of steam, you're still frustrated, you're unresolved and you're unsettled in the presence of God, then you won't bring the best of you into that moment. So you've got to deal with your own stuff first. Being centered and being free from emotional and spiritual churn can really help that conversation get to some great outcomes and that's where we want to get to. And taking the time to get God's heart for that other person is a real key to success. John Wimber said, the extent to which the person on the receiving end is utterly convinced that you are for them, if they know that, you'll probably have a good outcome. Another extreme is at the bottom right. Um, and this can be a little bit two-faced. We pretend that everything is okay. We're all lovey-dovey. Um, putting on a front that everything's fine and, and maybe we're high in grace and love but we're pretty low in the truth scale, okay? Um, we're just not facing the real issue. And I've seen a lot of this. Um, I think probably most people in the room will tend either to the bottom left-hand corner or the far right left-hand corner. Of course, we're all in different places but I've seen a lot of that far right uh, behavior. Uh, it's not healthy and it's not real. Um, so just watch out for that. And maybe you might resonate with what I'm saying in that, particular in that particular one. So the space that we're meant to be walking in and functioning in, the sweet spot is the top right, okay? 
Uh, it's honest, it's high in truth, but we're also trying to have as much uh, grace as possible. We're trying to use our words as wisely as possible. It's because we love each other and we want the best for each other that we need to move towards honest conversations with one another. So hopefully you're still tracking with me today. Does that all make sense? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Ferry. <laughs> okay, the key points so far, out of love for one another, we want to move towards crucial conversations. We don't want to avoid them. Uh, before we have those conversations, we want to tend to our own hearts. We want to pray for the other person. We want to ask for God's heart that we see the other person through his lens. And then when we have those conversations, we want to make sure we marry truth and love together. And when we do that, I think we'll have a pretty high success rate. And you might ask uh, what sort of issues you might have a crucial conversation about. Uh, some of you uh, need to have them in your marriage. Perhaps your spouse has done something to really irritate you or maybe even hurt you and you're avoiding confrontation with them. But the problem, is, the problem with that is you're quite likely harboring resentment and it's quite likely that you're behaving in a passively aggressive way towards them. Perhaps it's a behavior issue. Maybe somebody in churches or in work is behaving in a way that's having a negative impact on those around them and you've noticed it. Uh, perhaps it's someone who you're just not seeing eye to eye with and you just kind of clash with and you're noticing that the relationship is becoming more and more tense and dysfunctional. Those are just some of the things we might want to have a crucial conversation about. In my role as a leader, um, I've had to have a lot of crucial conversations at times. I'm not going to give you any of the examples from here in this church um, but back in Belfast City Vineyard, um, I, I was obviously not in a pastor's role then, um, but I still had to have crucial conversations at times as I led. Uh, on one particular occasion, I had to have a crucial conversation with another leader. Uh, him and I were kind of leading at the same level, if you like. Uh, so I had no structural authority over him, um, but I had noticed that, that he had actually some pretty inappropriate boundaries with members of the opposite sex. He was doing some, some things that just weren't that sensible. And so I had a conversation. Uh, he was a married man, and uh, it was just a little bit strange what he was doing. He was putting himself in a vulnerable position. And so I had a conversation about that with him and pointed out how that looked to others and uh, just came at that from a place of love and concern that I was concerned about him, and I was able just to speak into his life and point out that there was a little bit of a blind spot there. And uh, actually that conversation went reasonably well. In my workplace, I've had uh, crucial conversations with people who report to me uh, about performance issues, behavioral issues, attitude issues, all sorts of things. Uh, I've had uh, crucial conversations uh, with colleagues at my level, uh, and even uh, with uh, directors at times who are a level above me. Uh, so I've done this kind of all around me, if you like, um, and uh, it's always a little bit difficult, but you always can, you get used to it the more you practice this. And actually what I've noticed is relationships get healthier the more you do this. Uh, I had a conversation with my boss uh, a few months ago. Um, I was kind of feeling like I was being uh, micromanaged. I had been in my job for about 12 months. Um, and then there was a kind of change at the level above me. And then all of a sudden I was like, whoa, 
here all over me, dude. Um, and I was feeling micromanaged, and it was quite frustrating. Um, but I, I thought, look, I, we need to have a conversation, and uh, I, I brought it up with him, and I gave him a couple examples. He didn't realize that he was doing it. Um, I was quite gracious, I think, in how I said it to him. He didn't realize that he was doing it, and uh, he actually received that feedback really well, and we were able to agree a better way of working going forward. And I would say in that relationship, trust and respect have deepened as a result of that conversation. And when we do this well, it really does have the power to transform relationships. Um, I've also been on the receiving end of a crucial conversation, which I'm sure you'd love to hear about. Um, I'll, give you, I'll give you one example uh, today. Um, back when we were part of uh, BCV, uh, Andy Smith, uh, the pastor there, had to pull me uh, to one side at one point and talk to me about something I had said. Um, I didn't do loads and loads at the front of church, but just bef the year or two before we left, I was kind of doing occasional things at the front of church. Um, and uh, one Sunday morning, um, I uh, said something and uh, shouldn't have said it. Um, <laughs> we'll just say that. Um, and uh, he kind of called me in. He pulled me up on it. Um, and uh, it was difficult to hear. Um, that feedback, but looking back now, I'm really glad that he pulled me up on it because I've learned to be really careful since then about how I use my words when I'm speaking from the front. And so it was a really helpful correction for me as a 30-year-old wannabe church planter, all right, and uh, maybe saved you guys a lot of pain as a result of him coming and correcting me on that occasion. So you can thank him for that next time you see him. Um, I've also had a few times when people in our church have come to me in a mature way and brought up something that I've done that, that has hurt them. And uh, when that's done well, uh, it's, it's really helpful. Um, on those occasions, I've been able to apologize, and those have actually turned out to be really helpful conversations for both me and the other person that have deepened trust and understanding. So um, there's growth for all of us, whether you're up here or while you're sitting out there. Um, there's growth for all of us here this morning. So check your pulse. If you're still alive, turn to the person beside you and say, I still have some growing up today. <laughs> of course, maybe you think you don't. Um, <laughs> quite likely that you're the person that really does then. <laughs> all of us have uh, some blind spots, but God in his grace has put us together in community that we might grow and become more like him. And part of that requires us to lovingly and graciously shine a light on each other's blind spots. So I just want to finish by giving a couple more pointers uh, really quickly um, of some things that might help um, as we, as we kind of um, speak uh, with truth and speak with grace into each other's lives. Uh, firstly, uh, be specific. Um, so, hey, Peter, uh, do you remember Tuesday evening when you said you would come early and help me set up for life group, but you actually uh, didn't show up at all? Well, Peter, I'm, I'm really concerned. Actually, this is twice this has happened. It happened the previous week, and um, Peter, I think you can do better. What's happening, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> all made up, by the way. <laughs> but Specific, specific examples. Specific examples are really helpful. 
when, whenever we just like sit somebody down and like, you do this and you do this and you always do this and you do that, like it's not helpful. And they're like, well, tell me a time whenever I did that. So make sure you have specific examples. Uh, that will be really helpful for the other person to actually grasp what it is you're talking about and what it is you're dealing with. Secondly, uh, try to use uh, I statements rather than you statements, okay? Um, so let me just describe what I mean by this. Uh, whenever Andy met with me all those years ago, um, he started out by asking me how I thought things went on that particular Sunday morning. I gave my perspective, and then he said, well, can I tell you how I found it? And he said, uh, do you remember when you said this? And uh, I, knew, I knew immediately what I'd done wrong, so I was like, yes. <laughs> to which, he, to which he, he said back to me, well, whenever you said that, I felt unsafe. And uh, whenever he kind of said it in that way, and explained how it made him feel. It, it, it really helped me to understand um, the dynamics of that particular situation that he was trying to feed back to me on. So uh, put simply, um, use I statements rather than you statements. F for example, whenever you said this to me, Alan, I felt like this. Or whenever you made fun of me in front of others, I felt like this. You can make fun of me, Alan, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Um, <laughs> what we're doing is we're being real and honest about how someone else's behavior has made us feel. We're not glossing it up, but we're not bashing them either. We're just explaining the issue in a simple way, okay? So use I statements rather than you statements if you can. Okay, what else? Uh, try your best to listen to the other person's perspective without interrupting and without uh, being defensive, this can be really difficult. Um, what I mean by listening is active listening. Um, give them your attention, show that you're listening. Ask some clarifying questions, not questions that you're trying to kind of trip them up, but actually uh, if, if, if somebody else is giving their perspective to you, um, just uh, questions to kind of acknowledge that you're actually listening to what they're saying. You're not interrupting them and talking over them, but you're actually listening. Uh, keep an eye on your body posture. Uh, try to adopt a non-defensive uh, posture. Your body language can make or break a crucial conversation, right? So if you're sitting like this, chances are you're not going to have a great conversation. Chances are it's not going to go that well. And actually, um, like we're probably just going to increase the adrenaline going through our body as well. If we're kind of adopting that, I'm ready for battle posture. So there's an easy win here. Actually, this is one of the easiest things to actually learn. Um, a number of years ago, uh, I moved uh, into a job, into a new management role. Uh, well, actually, somebody else was doing that job before me for a few years, and so uh, I came in uh, to replace him. And for a, a team to go through, a change of manager can be a little bit stressful. One of the guys who reported to me, uh, we'll call him Billy, he's now retired. But I remember him coming in uh, to meet me for one of our first meetings together. And I could tell that as soon as he came into the room that he was really guarded, that he was very, very defensive. And actually, he didn't know me at all. Uh, our paths had never really crossed before. Um, and I didn't really know him either. Um, but I could tell immediately from his body language that he was guarded. He was maybe a little bit anxious and defensive. And so um, I had kind of learned a little bit about body language, uh, about how to read body language, and actually how to, how to create an environment that people feel safe 
in as well. So uh, I, I spent the most, I kind of changed where I was sitting at the table rather than kind of sitting right opposite him. I kind of changed where I was sitting so it looked like I was kind of coming alongside him. And uh, I just kept an eye on my own body language. I kept it loose. I kept it friendly. I kept it open. And I just listened. I asked a little bit about him, tried to get to know him a little bit. And even during that first conversation, I really noticed him relaxing. His body language opened up, and it was a lot easier to engage with him. And over time, it was like two years I was in that job, we had a great relationship together. Um, so body language, if you keep it a check on it, if you can kind of become aware of your own body language, it can be really helpful for you in those conversations. And we can really help people feel safe and secure and set those conversations up for mutual success. And these conversations, by the way, it's not about a win-lose, it's about a win-win. If somebody comes away from the conversation feeling like they've lost the argument, then everybody's a loser. <laughs> It's about a win-win. It's about agreeing mutual outcomes. Uh, another thing I do sometimes is write out some notes in advance and even bring them in with me as little bullet points. And that really helps me to stay on track and stick to the issue. I don't do this every time, um, but sometimes I do. Um, and uh, remember, of course, that crucial conversations, during crucial conversations, emotions can often run strong. And so what I've found is that my notes can anchor me and stop me from getting dragged around all over the place by my emotions. Um, so you might find that helpful to do as well. Um, I tend to find that I forget things as well. If I don't write them down, I can't really hold that much in my head. Um, so it definitely helps me. So those are just kind of some tips as we kind of close out of some things that you can do. But headline is speak the truth in love. And uh, if, we st if we're in that place of wanting to be honest, but wanting to be really, really loving, and we're praying about it, uh, and we're really coming at this humbly, uh, then I think we're going to set up our relationships for health and for growth. We're going to increase trust, and uh, it's, gonna, it's only going to lead to health. So plenty in that this morning. We want to be a people who love one another and sharpen one another as we grow together. Uh, I just want to read uh, some scripture uh, for us that are to us this morning to help us uh, recenter, and then I'm going to pray for us. If you guys want to come back up, and um, we're going to worship again in a bit. So this is John 13, um, and Jesus is speaking with his disciples, who uh, we know often disagreed amongst themselves, and he said this to them. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And my prayer for us is that both truth and love would mark our relationships with one another, that how we treat each other and honor each other would actually be a signpost to the world around us. That's why we're kind of taking the time to talk about this. This is important to God's heart, and it's important to our relationships with one another. Let's pray.